0: Our reading today is from Isaiah chapter 58, the first 10 verses. So let us pray this prayer together. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you have to say to us today. Amen. Isaiah 58 verses 1 through 10 says, shout it aloud, do not hold back, raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out, they seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noon day. Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You see I, Isaiah 58 is actually a poem to contrast between two types of people those who humble themselves before God and repent and own up to the wrongs that they have done and, and those who do not. As mentioned before, today's Freedom Sunday. And as you can see, I am not harmony through harmony. And no, I will not be singing. <laughs> and I just want to say, because uh, some of the topics are quite heavy that there there might be some things mentioned so i just want to give a couple trigger warnings if i may if anybody knows what that language is because i think that it's important to not veil the truth to not just paint over something ugly and pretend it never existed You know, we as God's people, our history and our current world, it's not just a beautiful Bob Ross painting, even though it does feel like that sometimes when you drive out to the Rockies, am I right? But there is ugliness in the world. There is brokenness in our city. And that is what today is about, highlighting that. So just warning that there is, there has already been, Talk of human trafficking and slavery, people fleeing from violence and death. I will be speaking on imprisonment, mentioning suicide, and I may even swear a little, but we'll see. We'll see how the Lord leads me. I say this because if it's too much for anybody, I don't want to bring pain, I don't want to trigger anything unpleasant. So if it does affect you in that way, seek out one of our pastors and talk with them here, online, wherever you are. I'm also aware that some of these stories and things I may share today will resonate with people. Uh, Some of us have been oppressed and persecuted, have experienced violence, and have had suicidal thoughts. Some of us perhaps even online, I don't know where these videos and messages go, maybe are even currently trapped and enslaved in human trafficking. So if that's you today, I'm here to say that not only are you loved beyond anything you could comprehend, but it's my hope that by the end of the service, I and all of Skyview will fight for you. You see, my love is not just actionable love. God's love is not just words, but it's, it's full of action. God will move mountains to free people. God will run to the one that is lost and leave the 99. You see, God's love is never only about words. There's this brilliant Christian author, Lisa Sharon Harper, who wrote this book called The Very Good Gospel. And if you have not read it, please go and read it. It is one of my favorites. The Very Good Gospel And she she writes in this book and she says that she struggles and she struggled her whole life with the whole idea of what good news is. And if you didn't know, the word gospel means good news. And she struggles with what good news is. And she struggles with this because her great-great-grandmother was sold and lived in slavery in the United States her entire life. And she struggled because she wondered, how can I tell my grandmother, who was a slave, who was beaten, raped, stolen, bred to produce, who was seen as less than, how can I tell her that she is free because Jesus breaks chains? That God loves her and has a wonderful plan for her life when she never saw freedom in her lifetime. How does that news change her situation, her enslavement? You see, it's all just a bunch of words. And I love words. It's all just a bunch of songs and I love our worship songs. It's only just air if it's not backed up with action. It's about us acting out this good news that Jesus brought. You see, Jesus never just preached and left it like that, He acted, He followed up every single thing He said with something. Some sort of action. And I spoke on this before. I have a previous sermon. I don't even know when it was, but you can find it on the podcast that Skyview has. All about actionable love. I've used that phrase before. Actionable love. How do people truly know that we love them? How do people know? I'm the pastor of community outreach here at Skyview, if you did not know. And do you want to know what community outreach really is? It's going into the spaces deemed unworthy, finding the places that are unseen, and meeting people there. It's not waiting for them to come through the doors. It's meeting them, walking with people in their pain, Walking with people in their shame and not judging, but loving and showing them real worth. Because they are made in the image of God. is looking into someone's eyes and letting them know that we see them. We see their pain. We see their heartache. We see their brokenness. We see their anger. We see their hopelessness. We see their distrust. We see this, and we still see the image of God. The way that God loves them. The beauty that God has put in them. You see, community outreach is literally being Jesus' hands and feet. What other alternative do we have To tell them that their situation will get better if they only believe harder? This is all words. Look into someone's eyes and listen to their story of pain and injustice and then come back and say that you were not moved into action. I can't. I hope we can't. I want to share some stories. Not because I feel like I'm more experienced or know any, know more than anyone. But I want to share these because this is how my heart changed. This is how I went from saying I'm a Jesus follower to actually being one. And yes, there is a difference. And I don't say that with pride but with humility because if you go down this path, it is not easy. Meeting people in their pain is difficult and messy and absolutely necessary. In Australia, when I was a pastor, we um, had the privilege of meeting many, many people who were fleeing their war-torn countries as refugees. And in Australia, because it's a, an island, a very large island, but an island nonetheless, people didn't flee by getting on an airplane. You didn't flee with your paperwork. They would go by boat, and if you've never seen the stories, they're horrific. These boats were probably a third of the size of the stage, would fit over 200 people, men, women, and children, babies. And the smugglers who would uh, smuggle these people across the ocean purposefully sank certain boats so that they wouldn't get caught as often. So you would step on a boat with a life vest that either did nothing or would sink you to the bottom of the ocean, and you never knew which it did. Knowing that you had a 50% chance, maybe higher, of not making it. This is the desperation that people faced. Then, if you were one of the lucky ones, after two weeks of being on the ocean with no food or water, crowded, and you make it to solid land, they throw you into a detention center. Now, in Australia, the detention centers were just prisons. They tried to glorify it a little bit more, but it was a prison. And your length of detention was undetermined. Undetermined. We knew people who were in there for six months. We knew people who were in there for five years. We know people who are still in there. Most of these people did not speak English as a first language, so you can imagine that as well. And most were separated from families. They did not, well they did, but sometimes they would separate the women and children into a different facility than the men. Years, childhoods, growing up in these facilities. No fresh fruit, no fresh vegetables. Nothing. And we would meet and go to these detention centers every week. And I remember thinking, this is tough. The first time I did it, you know, it was a recommendation and I just sat there and I said, what do we even say? What do we do? And we were told you just Listen. You go there, and you just listen. And we did, for years and years and years. Every week we would wake up, drive to this detention center that was far on the outside of the city, park our car, you had a five minute window to basically get in, fill out five pieces of paper, Show a different government ID. Then they make you put everything in a locker. Then they wand you down. You walk through a metal detector. I'm not joking, this is a prison. They check everything you have, they check your body. You walk in, they buzz you into this room, this common area, and they lock that door behind you. And you sit at a table. You're not allowed to share, and you wait for them to come in through a different door. Then we'd spend about two hours with these mostly young men, and then we'd walk back out the same door, and they'd leave through their same door. They don't let them have phones, access to anything that could share what the facility actually looks like to the outside world even though there have been smuggled videos. You see, I struggled because how could I go into these these spaces and listen and laugh and cry with these people and tell them that, you know, Jesus can free you. And then I go and I walk out of that facility while they stay trapped inside. I struggled with that weekly. What do my words mean when I just am free already? These were people I knew. Stories and friends I've shared life with, they were constantly and are constantly in my heart and prayers. I want to tell you about one young man in particular. A young man by the name of Bobman. Bobman was one of many Iranian refugees who fled his beloved country, and they do love their country and their culture. To find freedom in Australia, he jumped onto a boat knowing he had a 50% chance of sinking and arrived to a country that threw him into a prison. After years and years of isolation, he was finally able to leave that facility. He was finally able to step into freedom, as we would say. But you see, that freedom came with so many conditions and costs, no work, no choice of housing, no. Education or allowed to be educated, no purpose, for what could be another unseeable amount of time. You see, stepping out of that detention center did not grant Bauman or anyone freedom. They were not offered mental health services for years of imprisonment, for violence by the people who kept them there. Stepping out of that detention center did not grant that. You see, Bauman felt the oppression of the system, the oppression of society, how people viewed him, a country that did not want him in a home that he could not return to, which gave him a season without purpose. You see, what society and people saw as a They only saw a refugee, they saw a foreigner, they saw dark skin. they saw someone living on government and taking taxpayers' money, someone who couldn't speak English well, and the list goes on and on and on. And each of these things was like a link to a chain that just kept getting longer. A chain that was built by people, even by some Christians. A chain that kept getting longer until in 2019, he took his own life. And he wasn't the only one. He wasn't the only one. Bauman was someone I knew. He was someone I worshipped with at church. He's someone I prayed with as his pastor. I mean, we had the same birthday. Can you believe it? February 13th, 1989. We were born on the same day. Bauman had heard the words of Jesus and he believed in the love of God. He did. These are people fleeing, fighting sometimes younger than, than 18 years of age, and their whole life is stolen from them. Why does this happen? It happens because people like you and I do not stand up and fight with them. We do not stand up and fight for them. When their voice isn't heard, we don't give them a voice. We aren't the voice to help. We do not listen well and we do not see who they are. You see, we have to fight. We have to do more. We have to do more than just pray. We have to do more than just sing. We have to do more than just say the words. People's lives depend on it, and that's what today is about. It's not just about statistics. It's about people with names. And families you know church I'm tired I know you're all tired we're all tired but I'm also tired of being quiet of being complicit you see we are fighters for freedom we are do you believe that because we should We truly believe that real freedom comes from Jesus Christ our Lord, amen? We truly believe that. Jesus literally broke the chains of the oppressed. Are we not called to do just that? Are we not called to walk in the dust of the feet of our teacher? Hallelujah that we may participate That we may participate in this chain breaking, love giving, kingdom coming redemption story. We are invited to be a part of that story and it is a privilege that our savior, Jesus, has invited us into that space, hallelujah. Are you with me or did I lose people? Don't worry, I'm going on ahead because God's with me. Who do we see, church? Who do we see that needs an ally, that needs someone to fight with them? Who do we see in our own families, in our community, in our city, in our country? You see, our understanding of the gospel is not good news to those who are enslaved or oppressed. Our understanding of the gospel is not good news to those who are enslaved or oppressed unless we do as Isaiah said in chapter 58. And that is to break the chains of injustice, get rid of exploitation, free the oppressed, cancel debts and financial burdens, fight for those who have no voice, share food with the hungry, invite the poor into our homes and put clothes on the cold and being available to our own families. Now, I'm not saying that um, giving money to organizations that help free, exploited people and giving them back their dignity in their lives. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I love these organizations. Don't get me wrong. I'll even give a shout out to NCM, Nazarene Compassion Ministries, and Not In My City, hashtag Not In My City, which is here in Calgary. Look them up. Read the statistics. Donate. These are all great, great things to do. What I'm saying today is that our hearts are not moved if our hearts are not moved to the point of action. We are not living out the gospel of Jesus. And you may think, Pastor Brittany, it's just too much. I'm one person. I'm only one person. I already feel fatigued by this past year. Trust me, I'm there with you. But you know what? We aren't just one, we are the church, and God calls us to be the representation of Jesus. We are many, and we are called to be the representation of Jesus in our families, in our communities, in our city, in our countries, and in our world. And together, with God, We have the power and strength beyond any one of us. Together, things can happen. Change can happen, but only together. As the worship team comes back on stage, I want to share what our denomination, our church, believes in. They've actually written the following declaration. They said, We affirm that the pursuit of justice, reconciliation, and freedom is at the heart of God's holiness being reflected in people. We affirm that acting justly involves the compassionate care for those in our immediate surroundings and also being able to name injustice and denounce the powers that cause it. That was a direct quote from what our church believes. Isn't that amazing? That we worship in a place and in a church that believes in denouncing the powers that cause injustice. You see, acting justly and loving mercy have often brought the people of God in conflict with the ruling powers of the day. It did in Jesus' time and it will today too. God's justice calls us beyond equal treatment, calls us beyond the tolerance of one another's differences, calls us beyond simply reversing the role of oppressed and oppressor. By Jesus' example, we are called to a justice whereby we are willing to give ourselves up for the sake of another. So today, today, And this might be the only time you ever hear me say this. Don't just go home. Don't just sing the songs without conviction. Don't just read your Bible or pray without action. Our understanding of the gospel is not good news to those who are enslaved or oppressed, unless we do, as Isaiah said.